Hi, this is James Barris. I hope you find this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed to do that. Your support is greatly appreciated. I wanted to um, share with you tonight from the uh, Upajatana Sutta. And this is a, it's a discourse that um, many of you know, or at least know the essence of. I gave a series of talks on this sutta uh, a number of years ago. It's on the um, on our website. Uh, if you look at under series, uh, you'll you'll see it there. Um, because it's both uh, up for me um, in uh, in terms of the uh, heavenly messenger program. And in terms of um, uh, the joy course, where we are now on the theme of uh, opening up to um, suffering, embracing our difficulties as a path to well-being and joy. And uh, I thought we could explore together, especially now that after the... uh, the time change, and we uh, we have a bit more light. <clears throat> Isn't that a nice? <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, thank goodness. Okay, you lose one hour of sleep. I know that's true, but then, oh wow, it's light. Spring is here. Have you noticed any effect on it? How how subject we are to the conditions outside. Uh, so now that it's getting a little bit lighter, I thought we could. Uh, get into uh, some heavier material. Uh, not to bring you down, mind you, but uh, just, you know, that you can, you can hold it a bit. This is, um, so this is the Upajatana Sutta. If, the, if you're curious, the spelling U-P-A-J-J-A-T-T-H-A-N-A. And it is... Um, from one of the, it's from a collection uh, called the Anguttara Nikaya, and this is a new book that, that came out recently. Um, the Anguttara Nikaya are the numerical discourses. They're all the discourses of the Buddhas that are not all, but um, discourses that are grouped by number. Mm-hmm. And um, this is a new edition that just uh, came out, translated by Bhikkhu Bodhi, who, actually, I should, be, I should have mentioned that, but I am now in the um, announcements, Bhikkhu Bodhi, who is the premier translator of Theravadan um, Buddhism, is going to be here with us in a few weeks. Um, April 4th, he'll be here. The numerical discourses, if you thought that you got the fact that there are lists in Buddhism, you haven't begun (laughs) to know how many lists there are if you're not familiar. This collection 
um, which has uh, how many pages? About sixteen hundred pages. Um, is a group of lists. There's the this this one is from the Book of Fives, so that means that every discourse in this list um, has a list, or in in this section is a list of five something. They're not even related to each other, uh, but it's just a list. Let's see this one. The Book of Fives has three hundred and eight. Um, lists of fives okay and it goes up to the the book of how far does it go the book of tens okay no book of elevens sorry so yeah, makes you wonder what kind of a mind <laughs> very organized mind i'd say of the buddhas um so this is the then that's the Anguttara Nikaya, the numerical discourses, numerical groupings. There's an, a whole other uh, compendium called the connected discourses, the Samyutta Nikaya, where they're all connected to different themes, like all the discourses where the Buddha meets Devadatta, uh, or in the Buddha uh, where the Buddha meets Mara or discourses around particular themes. And then there's also the middle-length discourses, the Majjhima Nikaya, and the long discourses, the Digha Nikaya, and a whole other collection of miscellaneous discourses. That includes like the Dhammapada and all. Anyway, so here's from the Book of Fives. This is the 57th discourse in the Book of Fives, known as the Upajatana Sutta. And I, I won't read the whole thing because um, you'll just get the the idea after a few uh, a few pieces of it. Mm. Bhikkhus, or that means practitioners, <clears throat> there are five themes that should often be reflected upon by a woman or a man, by a householder, or one gone forth. That means householder or one gone forth is a is a nun or a monk. Uh, now, before I get into the five themes, just want to pause and point out that <clears throat> the Buddha says you should reflect on things. This is also known as the discourse on subjects for contemplation. Now, excuse me. <coughs> Lest you think that the whole of the practice is about being mindful in every moment. Just really take in that the Buddha said, it's very skillful thing to reflect on things, to let it kind of roll around in your mind and in your heart, to really go deep and see where this lands in you. Not just, okay, can you note it? Yes, I'm thinking thinking, you know, reading, reading, reading. The words don't get in if you're just noting reading. He says, think about things. Think about things that lead to a greater, a deeper understanding of how life is. 
And that even through the contemplation, even through the reflection and starting to understand things in a new way or in a deeper way, that can lead to freeing the mind and the heart as well as being mindful in every moment. And as, if you look in these discourses, you uh, will find, particularly in the uh, the middle-length discourses, which are a lot about stories, oh, this happened when so-and-so said this, and, um, that at the end of the discourse, the Buddha can be talking to, you know, 50 or 100 or 500 uh, people, and at the end... Uh, many of them become enlightened just hearing the words. <clears throat> That'd be nice to hear a discourse and just not have to meditate anymore. You know, um, then you probably want to meditate just because you like the silence and the peace. But to know that the mind can open in that deeper reflection, which is different than ruminating and spinning your wheels. There's a real art to contemplation and reflection where you just let it percolate and feel the depth of it and just go deeper and deeper. If you find yourself spinning your wheels around it, then that might take you away from what he's talking about. But to reflect and contemplate, you um, there's a whole... A way of just letting it land, as I say. <clears throat> what five are to be reflected upon? One, a woman or a man, a householder or one gone forth, should often reflect thus, I am subject to old age. I am not exempt from old age. Two, a woman or a man, householder gone forth, should reflect thus, I am subject to illness. I am not exempt from illness. Three, I am subject to death. I am not exempt from death. Four, I must be parted and separated from everyone and everything dear and agreeable to me. Five, I am the owner of my karma, the heir of my karma. I have karma as my origin, karma as my relative, karma as my resort. I will be the heir of whatever karma, good or bad, that I do. Now, then he goes a bit deeper into each of these. He says, for the sake of what benefit should one reflect Thus, I am subject to old age. I'm not exempt from old age. And then he says, In their youth, beings are intoxicated with their youth. And when they're intoxicated with their youth, they engage in unskillful acts by body, speech, and mind. But when one often reflects upon this theme, the intoxication with youth is, is either completely abandoned or diminished. It is for the sake of this benefit that a woman or a man, household or one gone forth, should often reflect thus, I'm subject to old age, not exempt from old age. So, first, 
this is not only restricted to those who are young, of course, but we don't normally really come to terms with the fact that we are going to get old until we start getting old. Or older, I should say. Older. And in fact, just as a caution, I just recently read a story, I read a, a study, I should say, that said people who think of themselves as old their bodies start to get older faster and they had a it was it was a fairly you know fairly well constructed study that if you think of yourself as old that is different than knowing that aging happens that's different than i'm getting older yeah you are getting older you can say i'm getting older and i'm getting wiser i'm getting older and i'm getting deeper i'm i'm gaining in many different ways and this body is subject to um to change but i would advise and this study makes complete sense to me not to think of yourself oh i'm old now because that's that's concretizing a process and when you are when you think of yourself in some fixed way then you've stopped seeing the process of things rather than defining yourself in some way <clears throat> so um just as a, a balance to this. Now, for the sake of what benefit should one reflect? I'm subject to illness. I'm not exempt from illness. In, this, in a state of health, beings are intoxicated with their health. What does that mean to be intoxicated with their health? It's a pretty strong way to say it. Another way of saying it is they are we become under the spell of an assumption that health is a given. Intoxicated the way I see it is it obscures reality. You know when you're intoxicated you can't it's kind of blurred. You can't see reality so clearly. So it's not to, you know, probably people don't go around saying, you know, dancing around unless you've been sick. Oh, I'm healthy today. I'm healthy today. Which is one of the benefits of becoming sick. How precious and how appreciative and grateful we are when we do have our health. But intoxicated in the sense that we don't see how precious it is when we take it for granted that is the kind of intoxication that he's i think that he's talking about we just assume oh this is the way things are but when one reflects upon this theme the intoxication with health the obscuration is either completely abandoned or diminished and for the sake of this benefit 
one should reflect thus. I am subject to illness. I'm not exempt from illness. Now, again, in the same way, if you are somebody who has some, um, some condition, uh, and I see lots of people who have some really serious conditions, um, and uh, chronic conditions, to the extent that they define themselves that way as a sick person, then they are limiting who they are. It is one part of one's reality, but it's, it's, um, it's a kind of um, added complexity when one defines oneself that way. I am a sick person. And that becomes not only their, uh, the way they relate to themselves, but the way everybody else relates to them. You know? And so it prevents us from seeing a whole person if that becomes their identity, both internally or externally. But that's not to say to let the obscuration um, be at play so that you don't realize, yes, this body is subject to illness. There's no way of getting around it. Uh, It's rare somebody is healthy from day one until till the end. For the sake of what what benefit should one reflect, I am subject to death, I am not exempt from death. During their living, during their living, beings are intoxicated with life, and when intoxicated, they act in unskillful, confused ways. But when one reflects upon this theme, the intoxication with life is completely abandoned or diminished. For the sake of this benefit, one should reflect, I am subject to death. I'm not exempt from death. And then, for the sake of what benefit should one reflect, I must be parted and separated from everyone and everything near and dear and agreeable to me. Beings having desire and strong attachment in regard to those people and things that are dear and agreeable and excited by this, they engage in misconduct by body, speech, and mind. But when one often reflects upon this theme, the desire and strong attachment and lust in regard to everyone and everything dear and agreeable is either abandoned or diminished. For this sake, one should reflect like this. And for the sake of what benefit should one reflect? I am the owner of my karma, the, end, the heir of my karma. I have karma as my origin, etc., etc. People engage in unskillful actions by body, speech, and mind. But when one reflects upon this theme, such unskillful action is either completely abandoned or diminished. <clears throat> And then the noble follower, the noble disciple, I'll read the first one, reflects thus, I am not the only one who is subject to old age, not exempt from old age. 
All beings that come and go, that pass away and undergo rebirth, are subject to old age. None are exempt from old age. As one often reflects on this theme, the path is generated. They pursue the path, develop it, and cultivate it. And as they do, the fetters are entirely abandoned or underlying tendencies are uprooted. And the same for all the other ones. I am not the only one subject to illness. I'm not the only one subject to death. I'm not the only one who must be parted and separated from everything and everyone dear and agreeable. I am not the only one who is owner of my karma. All beings are subject to this. Mm-hmm. And then there's a bit more, but that's, that's enough. So this is the, the discourse that is commonly referred to as um, the five reflections or the five remembrances. And as I said in, in our, the recording uh, on the website, there's a series called The Five, five Reflections. Why does he say this? Well, he pretty much outlines it there. But besides not getting involved in unskillful behavior, it does kind of wake you up to make you want to live as skillfully as possible. It is a continual reminder about the truth of impermanence. Continual reminder. And this is one of the things that that the Buddha said in a number of other discourses. Keep reflecting on, if you don't want to do the five reflections, a simple shortcut is keep reflecting on the fact that everything changes. If you keep reflecting on the fact that things change, when things are difficult, there's a kind of spaciousness and relief and willingness and courage that helps you open up to the challenges that you face. When things are going great, swimmingly delicious, reflecting on impermanence, you see again and again how you can't hold on to that. And so you might want to be here for it and appreciate it as best you can. If you keep on reflecting on impermanence, this, will, this is the doorway to liberation. You know, I'm sure you're, most of you are quite familiar with the word vipassana, The word vipassana, which is usually translated as seeing things clearly, when it's broken down, it really means to see things, see the reality of things. And it is pointing to particularly seeing any one of three aspects of reality. We've talked about this many times here. The three characteristics of existence or experience. One, that things change. This truth of impermanence. Two, if you really understand that everything changes, then holding on to changing experience, you see 
is a futile experience. It is, or a futile endeavor. It is, um, as, uh, as it's been described, it's rope burn to hold on to that which is changing. You're going to get burned. And so you see the truth of unsatisfactoriness or suffering, dukkha. And if you really get impermanence on a deeper and deeper level, you also see that this mind and body called me is also a continual fluid impermanent process. And there's no fixed entity or um, place that's not changing to whom life is happening. Life is expressing itself through this form. It itself is an expression of impermanence. And those three understandings are the doorways to liberation. When one becomes free in the uh, in the Buddha Dharma sense of the word, one sees through the solidity of things. One doesn't take that which is impermanent to be permanent. One doesn't take that which looks like it's happiness to be a cause of happiness. One sees the suffering in changing, in holding on to changing experience. And wasn't, one doesn't take that which is not self to be self. And so you see through the solidity of experience and that liberates the heart and the mind. So to reflect on these facts, these messengers, these heavenly messengers, and they're called the heavenly messengers because, as most of you probably know, they were the images that inspired the Buddha to leave his home and go on his quest when he saw somebody who was old, somebody who was aging, and somebody who, uh, a corpse, a dead, dead person, and then saw an ascetic who uh, had renounced the, the worldly life and was looking for the deepest happiness, they're called, that's why they're called the heavenly messengers, because they were sent, supposedly, by some Brahmins, Brahma gods to wake Prince Siddhartha up. He said, ah, this shakes me out of my complacency. And so he was motivated to look for where real happiness is to be found in this world of impermanence. And that's what the unconditioned is about, that which does not change. And the more you understand this, the freer you are. One of the, my favorite chants in, um, uh, that is done in, uh, in uh, Theravadan countries when people die, they chant this, but they chant it quite regularly as well, but particularly upon somebody's passing. You might be familiar with it. One that goes, Anicca Vata Sankara. Anicca Vata Sankara Upadava Yadamino Upakitava Neruchanti Desang Vupasamo Sukho 
You chant that three times. Anicca, anicca, impermanence. Anicca vata sankara. Everything in this world that has come into existence is impermanent. Upadava yadamino. Whatever arises, passes away. Upakitava neruchanti desang vupasamo sukho. One who really understands this fact opens to the highest happiness. Sukho upadavayadamino. Sukha is the opposite of dukkha. Dukkha is suffering. Sukha is happiness. One who really gets impermanence gets the highest happiness. So this is not just to bum you out, right? This is to wake you up and liberate you. He's saying, check this out. Not, not so that you can get depressed, although it can be a very unsettling kind of uh, fact, but to really look into how things are so you appreciate the preciousness of this life and also that you, um, you're not confused. You're not um, intoxicated your your vision isn't blurred, that you truly see the way things are, there's a kind of freedom that comes with embracing that fact. And I was thinking about this uh, in, the, in the Hindu tradition. There is a, a kind of uh, analogy that I hadn't thought of uh, before um, in relationship to this, and it's good timing too, uh, that the... Um, the uh, the deity, the god Shiva, I'm sure most people are familiar with Shiva. It was just Shiva Ratri, by the way, on Sunday, Shiva's day, this last uh, Sunday, where everybody, Hindus, celebrate Shiva's day. And there is a whole um, sect of Hinduism called Shaivism, where Shiva is worshipped. Shiva is the destroyer. There's Brahma, the creator, Vishnu, the preserver, and Shiva, the destroyer. And Shiva is elevated on equal and in some sects even higher level than the creator and the preserver. Isn't that interesting? Shiva is a god to be worshipped. Say, gosh, what kind of a mind? What is that about? If you think also Shiva is known as the transformer, that in this world it's it's embracing and... um, opening and loving the fact of the infinite creativity of this world. The infinite creativity. Nothing stays static. Isn't it amazing 
that the universe is continually transforming itself every single moment. Ah, how freeing if you can worship transformation because destruction is the way for new birth. If things didn't end, well, there wouldn't be room for anything, for one, you know, but there wouldn't be this kind of dynamic quality to life. So I'd like us, uh, as I'll, I'll wrap up my words, to just, I invite you to reflect on this, for us all to reflect on this in a, maybe a different way than you have before, um, since he says, really contemplate this, reflect on this, uh, let's just do a little bit of reflection together. Okay, so I invite you to close your eyes for a moment. And the first of these I am subject to old age. I am not exempt from old age. Now, as you reflect on that and really take in this truth, perhaps you can, in your mind's eye, see how you could envision going through your life as you grow in years to do that with grace, to do that with not only acceptance, but embracing the reality that every human being who lives long enough encounters. See if you can create a picture that's not morbid, but that is has some dignity and has some wisdom and love holding that experience. And I'll be quiet for a moment. You might envision those who you've seen who are inspiring in their elder years, whose beauty shines through just as much though the skin isn't as smooth. How inspiring if you're fortunate enough to live a long life. Can you open to the possibility of it being a continued part of your awakening? 
Okay, take a breath. And now, a second. I am subject to illness. I am not exempt from illness. You've probably had your share of illnesses. Can you envision taking it on as a practice to open up to whatever your body opens to you, asks you to understand and deal with? Can you do this as part of your awakening? Realizing that is something that we're all subject to. And again, you might envision somebody who deals with this or has dealt with this, who moves you, inspires you. Since it's something that we will all have to work with, how to do it as a practice that deepens your understanding and compassion and love. What attitude would support you in this? What would you need to keep in mind and in your heart? When that time comes, Take a breath, if you like. And then the third reflection. I am subject to death. I am not exempt from death. This will come to everyone who's ever taken life. Can you envision meeting that moment with grace, with love, with acceptance, with surrender to the inevitable. There's something that's been a part of existence as long as there's been existence, something so natural. And again, you might call to mind somebody who you know who's gone through that in an inspiring way.
you can create the most helpful, supportive vision in your mind. You're dying as a vehicle for awakening, for true liberation. Take a breath. I must be parted and separated from everyone and everything dear and agreeable to me. This is part of life. See if you can settle into that fact and know that life continually offers us new connections and experiences that all are part of our makeup. How can we open up and allow and let go when things change and people go. Everything near and dear to me will be separated from me. It's okay. And lastly, take a breath. I am the owner of my karma. The heir of my karma. Whatever karma, good and bad, that I do, I will be the heir of. How to reflect on that so that it helps you move in the direction of greater alignment with truth and wholeness and love and wisdom. as a support for your awakening. And just before we bring this to a close, just reflecting on the power of holding difficult realities with a wise and loving heart so that you can be here for all the goodness and the beauty and not miss out on your life. Celebrate it, appreciate it, delight in it, 
Let your joy shine. That's the the natural, can be the natural byproduct of understanding the way things are. We don't have that much time, but if anything has come up from from that, if you want to, if something is on your mind or in your heart, you can take maybe one or two questions or comments. Three once, twice. Not much to say after that, huh? <coughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, here, Julie. Yeah, I was like surprised. Um, like when the, the the one with the old age, how like pleasant it was. Like I found myself smiling, like seeing myself. Like there's something I'm definitely looking forward to it. And um, yeah, I'm like looking forward to like having learned, lived my life, and had all the wisdom come to me, and just being in that place. And also, like, with the death, I was like, take me. I just heard my thoughts, take me, take me. And I saw myself, mm. like, lying on the earth, just, like, you know, with loved ones around me. And also smiling, like, wow, how mm. beautiful, you mm. know. Yeah, thank you. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it's interesting how the mind can go anywhere. So, you know, usually when we, these thoughts come and say, oh, no, don't want to go there. You know, that, that would be a drag. If you go deeper in connect with the possibility of it being okay. Even okayness. It's not like you're, you're ecstatic that you're ill or whatever, but just an okayness where you're not swept up by fear uh, or, or resistance or aversion. Ah, it's okay. What a relief not to fight. And to even be as you say, it can be beautiful. We all know beautiful older people. And all, maybe not all, but many of us have been with people when they've died. It's so mysterious. How many times have, you, have, have I heard somebody saying, you know, gosh, I was there for my, my mother's passing. What a sacred moment that will always stay with me. How many people have had that experience where being around somebody dying was actually a, a beautiful or experience? Yeah, it's so. So how we hold it is is a key and we can go kicking and screaming or just, you know, let go gracefully. Okay. This is this natural unfolding of life. And even the same with illness. That's that's a hard one. But I've been so inspired by people I know who I'm close to who have gone through such challenges and it's like there's something that's burned through them of the of the, you know, 
quetching, as they say in Yiddish, you know, kind of the complaining. And it's like beyond that saying, ah, oh, yeah, and this is, this is this life. And I can still learn to love. It doesn't have to define me. So that's, that's where, where I say this kind of contemplation is, can go deeper than just, oh, yeah, I've got to face that one, to just kind of wear it hang out with it and say, it's okay, it's okay. And it changes how this moment is. So I encourage you to reflect on it. And again, remembering um, the uh, Heavenly Messengers program, which is what inspired me to talk about this. And there's a whole write-up in the uh, Spirit Rock uh, newsletter. And uh, if it seems interesting... We're going to go deeply into this and uh, really use it as a vehicle for awakening. So let's just close with a very short dedication. Uh, may our time here together help deepen our understanding, help awaken the love and wisdom inside, and may we share it with all beings everywhere. May all beings everywhere benefit from our coming here together and know the highest happiness and peace. So, thank you very much for your attention. Have a great week. See you next week. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.